Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. We're talking about revival, and and I love the fact that we can talk about revival from every part of the world, every corner of the world, because this is a global thing. You know, when God moves, He moves globally and locally. And uh, so we are able to experience a global move of God in our homes, in our families, in our lives. In our, it's, it's personal to us. It's something that starts right here. You know, oftentimes we think that revival is always something happening somewhere else. It's always in another part of the world or it's something that happened in history. But we fail to recognize that We are people, ordinary people, just like those that God has used in the past, just like the people that we read about in Hebrews 11, the people we read about in the Old Testament, that they were just ordinary men and women that simply had faith in a God who can do supernatural things. And I believe God wants to do that. I think he wants to do it in our generation. I think he wants to do it in every generation. And so I want to share a message with you today entitled, We Are Not Without Remembrance. We have a history, we have a future, we have a mission. We know what we are called to. We know the God that we serve. We know what we're a part of. We're not people without memory, without history. And, you know, it's, it's four months into what has been a really intense time in our world. This lockdown has put pressure on everybody. People are experiencing all kinds of pressure from financial pressure to family pressure to marital pressure. Uh, there's homeschooling pressure. If you've been homeschooling your kids, um, there's all kinds of things that are just adding to the pressure of people's lives right now. And we have spoken as pastors, as leaders to so many that feel that that it, this is a really tough time for them. This is a time where they feel that they almost have the instinctive reaction of just hunkering down and going into survival mode and saying, I just want to get through this. And and life can often do that to us. And it can, it can give us difficult circumstances, difficult moments. And we can almost resolve almost unknowingly, almost subconsciously that we'll get back to doing the things that we're called to do once we're through this difficult time. So I'll get back to fulfilling the Great Commission and being faithful to Jesus once the lockdown is over, once my circumstances are easier, once I found a new job, once my finances are looking okay again, once my kids are back in school. But this is actually an incredible learning moment for us right now. And both Jake and Jeremiah mentioned how revival is not something that is dependent on circumstances. God doesn't just work when everything looks perfect. In fact, Jesus is often at his best when we are at our worst. When we're struggling, when we're down, when, we're, when we feel like we're overwhelmed. It's often in those moments when we discover true dependence on his grace and the true sufficiency of his presence in our lives. And it's that moment that we begin to feel revival and awakening happening in our lives. Uh, you know, as we experience that. So, so this may be the catalyst for true revival in your life. These difficult circumstances and other difficult circumstances in our lives and in history may actually be the thing that awakens us to experiencing something authentic and something genuine as opposed to just going through the motions with God, just, going, just being religious, going to church. Let's, let me just tell you that just going through those motions, that's not what revival looks like. It's not modifying your behavior. It's when something is awakened genuinely and truthfully on the inside of your life. Even if you are a Christian, Keith Green is famous for talking about being born again, again, how he, how 
how he had experienced his and, and, and experienced the love of God and the grace of God and seen himself again in the light of how God sees him and how that caused him to understand, even though he was saved, just how much he had been saved. There's something that happens when we experience that. And, and I feel that I've even been tempted to have that thought. Well, I'll get back to changing the world when, uh, when the lockdown is done and when I can move around freely and when I'm not homeschooling three kids. But I've felt God speak to my heart in the midst of that. And funnily enough, one of the places that God spoke to me from uh, was from the book by Rudyard Kipling called, called The Jungle Book. Now, now this is not equal to the scripture, just so that you know. This is not equal to the Bible. Um, but it was just a passage in here um, that I would actually like to read where, where Rudyard Kipling, and this is the classic version. This is not the, the Disney version. So it is a little bit more intense. But there is a, a space in here where uh, Baloo and Bagheera, obviously raising uh, Mowgli up and teaching him the law of the jungle and the law of all the peoples of the jungle, find out that Mowgli had been hanging out with the monkeys. And, um, and they have an issue with the monkeys and, and how they approach life. And so they're pretty upset with Mowgli and they explain this to him. And I wanted to just read this section to you. Um, it's, he says this, uh, this is uh, Baloo the bear talking to Mowgli. He says, listen, man cub, said the bear. And his voice rumbled like thunder on a hot night. I've taught you all the, lo the law of the jungle for all the peoples of the jungle, except the monkey folk who live in the trees. They have no law. They are outcasts. They have no speech of their own. But, have, but use the stolen words which they overhear when they listen and peep and wait above in the branches. Their way is not our way. They are without leaders. They have no remembrance. They boast and chatter and pretend that they are a great people about to do great affairs in the jungle. But the falling of a nut turns their minds to laughter and all is forgotten. We of the jungle have no dealings with them. We do not drink where the monkeys drink. We do not go where they go. We do not hunt where they hunt. We do not die where they die. Have you ever heard me speak of the Bandalog till today? So these Bandalog people, these monkeys that live in the jungle, the issue that Baloo and Bagheera and the message here is, is that they have no remembrance. They have no sense of purpose. They have no sense of, 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 of destiny in their lives. And because they have no sense of purpose, no sense of, of destiny, they also have no leaders. Because why would you need a leader if you're not going anywhere? And so often our rejection of leadership, of God's leadership, of God's lordship in our lives, our rejection of godly leaders that God has placed in our lives uh, and within the church and, and within our families, often our rebellion against that is because we don't really know where we're going. We don't really have a direction or a purpose or a plan. We have no remembrance or no reality. The, the reality of what we're a part of hasn't come to us, hasn't hit us. And so we're, we're almost like these people that say, oh, one day we'll do great things. One day we'll, oh, but right now it's lockdown. So I'll just stay home and watch TV. Oh, one day I, I want to accomplish something. One day I want to see lives change. One day I want to be the kind of person that makes a difference. But, you know, right now I just need to figure out you know, what I'm going to have for dinner. So I'll, I'll think about that later. And when I read about that, you know, the monkey people that are always about to do great things, but are distracted the moment a nut falls from the sky and they're completely distracted. I just had to think about our generation right now. You know, the issue is, is that we run the risk of being the most ineffective generation in history. 
The reason for that is, is because we've become completely entitled, completely self-important. Our preferences and our selfish whims have overtaken our sense of future, our sense of purpose, our sense of meaning. And we have made life about how comfortable we can be and how much we feel we deserve. But there is life beyond that. There is an abundant life beyond that. Jesus said, you know, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet he forfeits his own soul? And in this way, we could end up being like Esau in the Bible who, who went out and, and uh, you know, he was hunting and he came back hungry. And in being hungry, he asked his brother for some soup. And I don't even think it was good soup. This wasn't even like butternut soup or, or biltong soup from Woolies. If you've had some of that, it's amazing. If you haven't, you should definitely do that this week. Um, but this was just lentil soup. And he sold his birthright to his brother, his destiny, his inheritance, everything God had prepared for him. He sold it for a little bit of soup to fill a temporary need. And the question that I have to ask myself regularly, being a part of the culture of this world, I live in this world and, and it impacts me as well. And I have to ask myself, am I selling my birthright, my inheritance, the future that God has for me? Am I trading that for just a little bit of temporary comfort? And if we begin to develop this eternal view, we begin to realize that we are not in a vacuum. We don't live in a certain moment of time. But we have a history. We're a part of something great that great men and women have been a part of. And we get to sacrifice and live self-sacrificially as they did. We get to be a part of that story. And also that there are those that will come after us. That we have a great future and a great legacy to leave behind for those generations that will pass on after us. I don't believe that we should be enslaved to trying to live up to some image of something or some legacy that we feel bound to. But we are here to pass the torch of the gospel from one generation to the next. And in passing that torch, it will cost us something. The question is today, do we really want revival? Is it really something we desire? Jake spoke about a wholehearted abandon to the things of God. Is that still a reality for your life? Is that still something that you're pursuing? Not, well, this is what's comfortable for me and this is what I feel like doing right now, but this is what God has purposed for me and I will give up everything. My life is of no importance to myself. I want to fulfill the call that God has on my life so that we can, like Paul, say, I have run the race, I have finished, and I have finished strong. We are not without remembrance. We are a part of something really amazing. And, um, you know, it speaks about the, the monkeys in the jungle in Rudyard Kipling's book. And it says their words are stolen words. It's not even their own words. That to me is such a great definition of religion. The monotony of, of religion, the, the just going through the motions. It's not even my words. I don't even mean these words. You may sing a song every Sunday. You may have sung with our worship right now. But, but like Jesus said, these, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's not the kind of worship God desires. Instead, he wants people that are genuinely and authentically responding to his love. As we experience his love, we respond in authenticity. We're not here to, to use stolen words and just repeat things that we've heard others say. This generation needs a revelation of the goodness and the grace of God. And as we experience it in our personal lives, 
we're able to then share that revelation with others around us. But without the revelation, we're simply repeating what we have heard before. And God has more for us than that. We're not a historyless people. We're a part of something that, has, that God has done in generation after generation of faithful people. And, and you know, that's the, that's the cloth that you and I are cut from. I was reading in Hebrews 11, and, and we often know how they talk about Hebrews 11 and those that, that um, you know, that, that were faithful to God. And they call it, in some, some people call it the, the hall of faith. And I want to read to you from, from Hebrews 11, from verse 32. Just listen to what you're a part of. If we're a team, if this is... If you're a part of this team, this is the team that you're a part of. These are some of the people that have gone before us. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions that Jeremiah spoke about last week, quenched the, the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, uh, through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect that we get to be a part of that. God says, I'm not done yet. Even though he's done all these amazing things, I have more. I have more for the people that are to come. That's you and me. These people experienced all of these things and they were normal, ordinary people, but they were faithful because they believed. They had faith in the God that had called them. And we are called by that same God. In, in, in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so this is ultimately saying that these men and women that went before us, that trusted in God and saw God do amazing things through their lives, they're, they're cheering us on. They have run their race and now they're in the stands. They're looking over the rafters of heaven and they're watching us in our turn to run. We're not a historyless people. We are not those who have no remembrance. We know what we're a part of. We're a part of the revival of the generations as God has brought reawakening from generation to generation. The question today is, will we play our part? Will we allow God to work in our lives? We know where we come from. We come from this great history. We were created by God. We were skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. 
and we know where we're going to. It says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He endured because he knew where he was going. It says that those that were tortured were offered release and said, no, torture us some more. Because we understand that in suffering for Jesus, there is a reward in heaven. So we're not just not a historyless people. We're not a historyless people. We, we are also not a futureless people. We are a people that understand the future that is ours in heaven, the reward that exists. As much as this generation feels dislocated from what has gone before and for what might come in the future, it's not true. We're a part of this journey together. It talks about Jesus and it says that we should consider him and how he considered the joy that was set before him and thereby received the strength to be able to endure and to be faithful. And I love how it says in, in John 13, again, at that time that Jesus was with his disciples um, and, uh, and it was the night that he was to be betrayed. He did one incredible act of service. And this is also a key for us to be great servants in the kingdom of God. It says in John 13 verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, he knew where he came from, and that he was, uh, and that he was going back to God, he knew where he was going. He rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, the key to Jesus being so selfless, to being so incredibly loving and faithful and to serve the Father, to be obedient to the Father in all things, to wholeheartedly abandon, is that he knew his identity. He knew who he belonged to. And so he didn't need to look for earthly affirmation. He didn't have to try and keep his head above those around him and say, I am more important than the disciples, so I shouldn't wash their feet. No, he knew his value. He knew his worth. He knew what he was a part of. He knew that he belonged to God, that he was worthy and significant simply because of who he was in God. And it's so true for your life. The moment, if you're saying, how do I break free from that self-entitlement? How do I break free from making myself the center of, of the universe, of my own universe? It starts by understanding who you are in Christ. When you know that you belong to the Father and that he loves you, you find the freedom to not worry about getting the credit, worrying about affirmation from others, worrying about impressing people. But instead, you simply get to live authentically as yourself, who God created you to be. And from that place, serve those around you with authenticity. You get to love them truthfully. This is a beautiful thing that when we know who we are, Jesus knew his mission and his mission was to show people the heart of God. We are not a historyless people. We're not a futureless people. We're also not a missionless people. We have a mission. We have a job to, to do. We are called to be servants, not to serve ourselves. We're called to crucify ourselves, to put our faith in Jesus, not to live for ourselves. We understand that there is a reward in heaven. But let us just take a moment and Bring this back to the real world for a moment. You're saying that's great. It's super, you know, inspirational 
thank you for the message, but how does that impact me? I'm in lockdown right now. You know, my house is a mess. My kids are crying. They need food. Um, you know, I haven't showered in three days. You know, maybe instead of showering, you've just been putting on a cap. You know, caps are the new showering. Um, I obviously shower every morning, um, but maybe you've done that. Um, and you're saying, how does this impact my life and my world right now? How do I live this out? I'm in lockdown. What should I do? I just believe that a passion, if you have a passion for something, a passion isn't truly a passion when it can only exist in the midst of the perfect circumstances, right? If you say I'm passionate about playing guitar, but you'll only ever play the guitar when every circumstance is perfect. The truth is you'll probably never play the guitar. People that are, that are passionate about guitar are annoying because they keep taking their guitar out whether the circumstance or the you know whether it's the time for it or it's not you know whether the time calls for it or not they're like well I'm gonna play guitar right now because I'm passionate about it it's difficult to keep people that are passionate about something to certain time frames because it, it just it consumes them the the Latin word for passion is the same word as the word we have for suffering that's why when we talk about the passion of the christ we talk about the suffering of the christ in other words even if you have to endure suffering in order to pursue it you will do so and you will do so faithfully because you're passionate because it's something that you genuinely believe in in other words how do i live out how do i how do i engage in a desire for revival in the midst of lockdown passion will teach you if you're truly passionate about it you will find away you won't wait for your pastor to say okay now we're going to do this guys or your community group leader to say okay for this week we're going to do this you will live it every single day and that's the kind of awakening that god desires for our lives this is why we started talking about revival that renewal that awakening that move of god and we can't say well we'll do that later we'll do that when the circumstances are okay in hebrews it says that the people were being sawn in two. Does that sound like an ideal situation? Like I'll get back to, you know, living out a passionate life for God. You know, once I'm done being sawn in half, right? No, they were living it out in the midst of that threat and that danger and the, those difficult circumstances because they were passionate. So you might be listening to this and saying, okay, fine. You've guilt tripped me enough. I get it. I'm supposed to be doing more. How do I start? What am I supposed to do? Where do I start? Well, this comes back to the message that Jake shared, Jake Schwertfigger shared on week one, the motivation of love. How do you develop the passion? Where does it come from? Where does true passion come from? Because in times of my life, I've tried to stir that passion within myself and I find that it's like a roller coaster. It, you're passionate one minute, the next minute you're not. What is, where does that passion really come from? Again, this has been covered in the past two weeks. If you haven't heard those messages, please go and listen to it. And Jeremiah spoke about how purpose and passion feed into one another as well. But I want to combine those and to say that when we know the love, the grace, and the goodness of God through an intimate relationship with Him, it feels both the passion and the purpose. The Bible says that that we are changed as we behold Him. And it says that God is working in us to give us both the, not just to, to cause us to do certain things, but to give us the will, to will and to do. In other words, the desire, the passion to fulfill those things. 
This is what God has given us through our relationship with Him. It comes from that wholehearted surrender in a genuine, intimate, authentic relationship with Jesus. And this is just something that, that, that God has been doing in my heart personally. And this is why I'm so excited to be able to just share on this because I just felt like God has been stirring me. Stirring me not to go out and try and do a million things a day, but to spend time with Him first and foremost. I've been making myself a cup of coffee. It's been kind of cold here in Joburg the last few weeks. And so I've found a spot in my garden. In fact, it's on my driveway um, that's, uh, that's just warm. And I just sit there. And in that quiet, I just reflect on God's love for me. I spend time with Him. I pray. I experience His presence. It's amazing how much passion gets fueled in your life when you meet again with the one, when you experience his presence and you go, this is the God I serve. And a few times in the past few weeks, it's led me just simply to say, Lord, if I haven't done this in a while, I just want to do it again. I just want to tell you that I love you with all of my heart, that I belong to you. And that even though I'm sometimes distracted, like the bander log, when the nut falls from the tree and I forget what I was about to do or what I was pursuing, God, I come back to you this morning, this day, and I say, Lord, what is it that you have for my life? I give myself completely to you. It doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter how difficult it might be. It doesn't matter what the road looks like because I know you'll be with me and I can experience your presence right now. So Lord, use me. Take my life and cause me to become a vessel in your hand that produces good in the lives of others. Let me be a part of this revival that you are bringing in this generation. And that's my only prayer. And then it's God's prerogative how he'll use me, when he'll use me, um, and, and whether I'll get credit for it or won't get credit for it, whether somebody will know that I've, that I've pursued it or won't know. that None of that matters anymore because I'm simply being faithful to what God has called me to. And that is so amazing. Just Here's, here's just a simple thing that we can do. Whatever God tells us. As a church, that's what we're going to do. As, a, as individuals, whatever God tells us, that's what we're going to do. My dad, who passed away at the end of last year, this was one of the most amazing things about him. As much as my dad loved guitars, he loved sound, he loved, you know, he had his, his loves like we all do in his hobbies. If God told him to give something away, it doesn't matter how much it cost, he would give it without giving it a second thought. And I've seen him do that. And I've actually felt the hurt for him. I thought, no, dad. Not the Les Paul custom. No, Dad, don't do it. Don't give it away. I, you know, I felt that for, on his behalf. But he, he knew that God can bring blessings into our lives and through our lives. We don't have to hold on to things. We can live in that, in, that, in that way. All of a sudden, when we trust God like this, we have nothing left to lose. When we know where we come from, where we're going, we have nothing left to lose. And so we are free to genuinely start making a difference. And we go from asking the question, uh, what, what can I do, to what else can I do? What else is there that, that I can do? What, what else can God use me for? I've still got some time left. There's still some time left today. Maybe, maybe, I, can, maybe I can encourage someone. Maybe I, can, maybe I can call somebody. Maybe I can share with somebody. Maybe I can be generous towards somebody. Maybe I can spend some time in prayer for somebody. There's always something else that we can do if our hearts are open to do it. And our hearts will be open if we are spending time in that relationship with Jesus. I won't have to tell you what to do. The church won't have to come up with programs. Your own 
passion will move you. We want to carry, as a church, as a people, as individuals, we want to carry that fire. It will show in your enthusiasm. It will show in your focus. It will show in your prayer life. It will show uh, just in how you show up, in your presence. It will show in how you reach out to those that don't know Jesus, in your serving and in your giving and in your mercy and in your love. It will show in all that you do. As a church, we want to be a part of that revival. We want to be a part of what it is that God wants to do in and through our lives. And we understand that we've been called to this with that same calling. We know this because we are not without remembrance. We know what we're a part of. We are not without a future. We know what God has in store for us. We know what His promises are. And we are not without a mission. We know that we've been commissioned to preach the gospel to all creation. And that's what we'll do, church. We'll do it together. And God will be with us, spurring us on, leading us by His grace and His love and His Holy Spirit. What do you need to do? Well, you need to be honest with yourself. And you need to come back to that place where you sit at the feet of Jesus and let Him speak into your life. We believe that God is going to use us to change our city, our nation, and our world. And He has called you to be a part of that as well. We love you. We believe in you. We're praying for you. And we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. God bless you.